Are you sick and tired of your business computer guy? Does he take forever to call you back and respond to your request? Are you paying him good money to keep things working, but there are still constant problems, slowness, and other recurring issues? Are you worried he's not backing up and securing your network? And does your head hurt from having all these issues to deal with? If this describes you, please be sure to call my good friend Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital at 843-664-8989. Heritage Digital is an IT firm that specializes in safely securing and managing your business IT network. Whether you have one employee or 500, Heritage will make sure that your business isn't bogged down by IT issues impacting your security, productivity, and most importantly, your profits. Heritage Digital will perform a no-cost IT assessment and ask you all the right questions to make sure your IT network works correctly all the time, and it's for one low monthly fee. This is a turnkey solution, folks. And with clients from South Carolina to California, Heritage has you covered. So if you're sick and tired of the constant computer and network issues, call Matthew Odom of Heritage Digital today at 843-664-8989 and get rid of all the issues negatively impacting your business once and all and forever. 843-664-8989, heritagedigital.com. It's your daily dose of all things Gamecocks on the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Here's J.C. Sherbert. Easy like Sunday morning. It's the Inside the Gamecocks podcast. J.C. Sherbert here with you on a Sunday I hope all you guys are enjoying your weekend. Just wanted to get back with you real quick, drop an episode, plenty to talk about. Thanks to Heritage Digital, as always, for sponsoring the top of the show. Uh, I'm pleased to announce that uh, all of our advertisers are coming with us uh, to the daily format. Inside the Gamecocks, the show will launch in August. Uh, Looking forward to that. I will have a co-host. His name is Phil. Uh, I think you'll like it. Uh, going to do the old JB and Goldwater time slot ish. Uh, I think eleven to one will be uh, Monday through Friday inside the Gamecocks. The show we'll have guests, lots of banter, the mailbag, some live interaction. It'll be streaming. Also, we'll be in podcast format. Also, going to throw you guys a little bonus uh, with a morning, and that that's why I'm up here on a Sunday trying to get my uh, bearings uh, with this kind of schedule. Uh, a morning blast, uh, 10, 15 minutes worth of headlines, commentary uh, to get your day started right. So those of you that commute that like to listen uh, in the morning, you'll have at least a little bit of me monologuing there. And then we'll bring in Phil for the show during the day and we'll archive that. So we'll have lots of content into uh, our video. Con- it'll be video. You'll see my face every day. So that'll be good. I probably should... Uh, you know, wear pants and, and a shirt and things like that. Just kidding. <laughs> when I'm recording this, but uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I'm really, really excited about it. Uh, I've known Phil a long time. Uh, just a guy that can get in there and uh, discuss things and have humor and entertainment value and all that. And certainly uh, he's excited as well. Uh, and we're just excited. I mean, I, I think it's uh, the one complaint about the podcast, which is uh, – valid other than you need a co-host I've, I've heard that a couple of times and that's probably true because i'll get to rambling and uh pause and you know look at my computer and it's just dead air and that sucks but uh and i, I admit that uh but is that it's not frequent enough um and i felt like with jb and goldwater going away there was a need 
to kind of have a daily streaming show uh, focused on the Gamecocks. Uh, I know JB and Goldwater did some other stuff being kind of in the Charleston market and all that with Citadel College of Charleston, Clemson, uh, you know, talked a little bit about everybody. Uh, this is going to be more Gamecock and SEC focus. So in other words, you know, we'll talk about the Gamecocks and just about anything that touches the Gamecocks. In other words, you know, SEC teams on the schedule, uh, big picture college football stuff, big picture college athletic stuff, basketball stuff, all that good stuff. So very excited about that. Just a little house cleaning uh, information there. So look for that. We'll have information on where exactly we'll be streaming uh, and all that good stuff uh, pretty, pretty soon. So um, there we go with that. Uh, lots of basketball talk lately. Gigi Jackson uh, decommitted from North Carolina. Uh, so that happened. Uh, I think people are anxiously awaiting his next move. Uh, I will tell you this, uh, the G League info, according to our national people at 24-7 Sports who have connections there and also, uh, you know, people internally at South Carolina, they don't expect that to happen. Uh, and so I know Barstool put out something about UMass. I don't expect that to happen either. Um you know, it's basketball, so it's out of my wheelhouse a little bit. Uh, so I never I never say there's any such thing as a lock in recruiting. It's not a lock until it's done. But uh, I feel very good. I have reason to believe Gigi Jackson will be a Gamecock uh, this coming season. Uh, and that's exciting. I mean, I, you know, regardless of what the season ends up like, um, you know, on paper, this is a team that, you know, a lot of folks are not going to pick very highly in the SEC. Um, but I think with Gigi Jackson, it, it gives you a chance. You know, it gives you a shot. And uh, it's not going to be easy. Uh, you know, I looked at the field for the Charleston Classic. I mean, you got uh, a lot of potential pitfalls. Colorado State and Furman and Virginia Tech, I think, is in. I mean, there's a lot of schools or a lot of programs that uh, are pretty challenging. Uh, for that Charleston Classic, the Gamecocks will play that. They play at Georgetown. I think they're at George Washington as well, so two trips to D.C. Um, schedule's not out yet, but um, I certainly think, you know, the, the non-conference isn't going to be that easy. And then, of course, the conference gets better and better almost every year. Uh, I do think G.G. Jackson's a difference maker. I think when you look at uh, sort of, Carolina's makeup for next year, they need a post. Uh, you know, it, it's are you going to count on Josh Gray to get better? Uh, will he kind of see the light now that he's got a new coach? Uh, he's certainly talented. Then you got Manat, you got Hankin Sanford, uh, a newcomer, a true freshman from North Carolina. People are high on, but uh, none of those guys are Gigi Jackson. Um, you know, in the backcourt, Michi Johnson, remember, he was a top 100 player that actually came to college early. I didn't really make an impact at Ohio State, but, you know, there's a reason he was ranked highly. So if he can return to form and have a good year at point guard, you know, I think Chico Carter, just talking to some people, is ready to play more minutes this year. It kind of got, you know, defensively, I think, in Frank Martin's doghouse. He's got to improve his defense, obviously, but when he got in the game, he scored. Uh, and that's kind of the name of the game. So, you know, you hope that, you know, Chico Carter – can make some things happen uh, this coming season. Uh, and then all the transfers and, and, and whatnot uh, kind of make up the full roster. Uh, everybody asks, will Gigi bring someone with him? I have not heard anything about that. 
Uh, pickings are kind of slim, but, you know, sometimes in basketball you'll get a guy late. Uh, I don't know who. <laughs> have not been told of anybody. Uh, but we'll kind of see sort of how it all plays out. Um, I would say it would not surprise me uh, if they landed somebody else. I don't know how significant that addition would be. Uh, I don't know, uh, honestly, how good, you know, what kind of fireworks it'll set off. But, uh, you know, I I can't rule it out at at this point. So Gigi Jackson uh, is really looking pretty good. And and I'll say this, too. You know, there's been talk out there about a $3 million NIL deal with GG. I, you know, I can't rule anything out because a lot of that's in-house, you know, with, with the university now in terms of businesses and things like that. And you are talking about a future lottery pick. So, you know, in basketball, you know, my opinion about incoming guys like that is a little bit different than football. Football, you got a wider delta. It doesn't matter who you are, really. There's very few, you know, Adrian Petersons or Trevor Lawrence's. I think you can make an argument for Marcus Lattimore when he was a freshman, um, Jadavian Clowney, that can go in and play uh, pro football right away. And even then, they probably struggle. So it's a more of a developmental game. So your value coming in to me is not, uh, I mean, it's sort of inflated when you talk about some of these guys getting an $8 million contract to go play quarterback at Tennessee uh, or, or whatever. Basketball is different. You know, the, these guys, and I say it a lot, your top guys are usually your top guys and, and they're looking within a year uh, of being multimillionaires. The money in basketball is just insane. You know, as far as NBA contracts, they're guaranteed on top of that. Uh, so, G.G. Jackson, uh, if there is some sort of $3 million deal out there, and I have no knowledge of it, uh, I, you know, more power to him. And, um, and that also, I, I think, if it ended up being that, it would make a statement that South Carolina is definitely in the NIL game. I'll tell you this, it won't come from Carolina. That, that amount will not come from Carolina Rush. <laughs> uh, we're doing well. Uh, by the way, and thank you to all that have joined and all that good stuff. Uh, we've got some actually announcements coming up here in, in the coming months uh, for some players that are currently in the program. And then, you know, maybe some guys that are, uh, and I'm talking about all, all, all three across, I haven't done any women's basketball, but men's basketball, football, and baseball uh, working on deals with all those. And so uh, those of you that have joined up, you're about to see sort of, uh, your money being put to work, you know, with some really good name, image, and likeness deals for South Carolina student athletes. If you haven't joined up, CarolinaRise.com, CarolinaRiseMembers.com. We got T-shirts there uh, for sale now, uh, expanding the gear. Uh, every little bit helps. Uh, I think there's power in numbers, and and I've said that since I started this thing, and we're getting there. <laughs> uh, you guys have stepped up. Good. Still got a long way to go, but we're getting there. So. Uh, that's all that, but um, you know, uh, Gigi Jackson, that that you know, for a, a coach like Lamont Paris that's coming in, you know, from Chattanooga, taking over an SEC program. When you talk about the issues that this program has had, you know, the first thing everybody talks about is, uh, man, you know, they don't get the local talent, uh, and there's a bunch of it in Columbia uh, and around the. Um, around the country. 
you know, uh, I mean, I'm sorry, in Columbia and around the state. And so I think that um, when you look at it over the years, had South Carolina been able to land all or 90% of the top talent in, in the state. And, you know, if you think about football now, Clemson and South Carolina both do a good job of, you know, keeping what talent there is uh, in the state in that sport. Uh, you know, I think baseball, you know, probably I'd have to dig in, but I'm told that maybe they could do a little better in state. Uh, women's basketball, whenever there's a player in state, you know, they usually get them. And uh, if you remember, you know, local talent, meaning Charlotte, you know, the state, all that, when Dawn Staley was building it, the first thing she did was corral sort of the local town, that first team, uh, Asia Do- uh, uh, Asia Wilson, obviously, is the big name, uh, Dozier, uh, you know, all those people from back in the day. I'm sorry, I don't have the roster in front of me, uh, but that's the thing. So, I, uh, you know, that's a big start. And you got Cam Scott out at Lexington behind him, in 2024 class, so so maybe maybe this starts a trend. Who knows? It's important for Jackson, I think, to have a good experience uh, at South Carolina. If you know when that comes to pass, uh, you know. And I also think this. Uh, you know, you look at another problem with the men's basketball program has been support uh, in terms of fans showing up at the CLA. Well, you have a local legend like that. You know, I think people in the community will be more apt to come out. Uh, and just see, because they're curious. You know, here's this great player from, you know, Columbia that was about to go to North Carolina that reclassified. Now he's a Gamecock. And, you know, let's go watch him play, uh, see how good he is, all that kind of stuff. It's, uh, you know, basketball, one guy can really be a draw for you. And uh, I think that's something that's big uh, for Lamont Paris, you know, and, and the Gamecocks moving forward. And, you know, we'll just see what happens. Uh, with all that uh, moving forward. So, you know, I, I, I just think that, uh, you know, when it does officially come down, you know, you got to give a lot of credit. Not, I mean, And it's been a team effort behind the scenes, folks. I mean, Kerry Rich, uh, boy, what a hire. You know, he, he's been a guy that's been working tirelessly on recruiting uh, since he's been named to the staff full time. You know, Lamont Paris, obviously, you know, what he doesn't do on social media, uh, he's doing a lot behind the scenes, building relationships uh, and, and all that good stuff, his staff, uh, and then the administration at the University of South Carolina. I think you got to give them some props too, uh, being kind of new to the NIL thing uh, starting July 1st, you know, and, and here you go. You got this big, massive player coming in. Uh, And and look, I'm going to say this. I don't have any knowledge of a $3 million NIL deal, but will Gigi Jackson have an NIL deal? Absolutely. I mean, it's worth it. I mean, you know, with a guy like that. Um, And and I think businesses would would get a return uh, on their investment with a guy like that. You know, it's it's not just throwing money uh, at a player to get him. It's sort of a a guy that's going to be, like I said, a lottery pick soon. He's going to be a multimillionaire <laughs> uh, and have a lot of endorsements, um, you know, so I think get him while he's, it's good right now. And, uh, and so, you know, so I think too, the university deserves some credit uh, for it. the administration. They take a lot of heat, especially when it comes to men's basketball. And a lot of it's, a lot of it has been deserved over the years, but um, 
you know, getting behind Paris and getting this done, you know, to me uh, is a tribute to the commitment that they've had. We'll see what happens. You know, we'll see what happens. Not done yet. Not, not officially uh, done yet, but we'll see sort of um, how all that plays out. Uh, SEC media days are this week, not in Hoover, Alabama this year. They're back in Atlanta. And uh, a lot of people kind of like the fact that they're in Atlanta. <laughs> uh, college Football Hall of Fame. If you guys have never been to the College Football Hall of Fame in Atlanta and you love college football, uh, I highly recommend it. It's 21 bucks, I think, to get in. Um, actually went there, whoa, when was it? 2019? Uh, it was after Michigan played Florida in the Peach Bowl and beat them pretty good. And uh, a lot of Florida fans walking around, a lot of Michigan fans walking around, didn't even care. They lost that game. Uh, and so, uh, you know, that, that was the day I went. I lived in Atlanta, took uh, a friend of mine and her kids down, and uh, we really had a good time. I mean, it was, it was really cool. If you have kids, you know, there's stuff for them to do. If you're a college football nut historian, stuff for them to do. So anyway, that, that's not that's a plug for them, but I, they don't pay me, so – I'm going to shut up about that, but that's where SEC Media Days is. Uh, kicking off tomorrow, Brian Kelly. I wonder, you know, what kind of Southern accent he'll try to uh, <laughs> try to use. Um, he starts it off. Uh, then two guys that are pretty quotable, uh, Lane Kiffin of Ole Miss and Eli Drinkwitz of Missouri. They're back-to-back. That's going to be uh, that's going to be some high comedy, I think, with those two guys. Um Tuesday, uh, Nick Saban starts off. Mike Leach. Oh, man, poor Shane Beamer and Clark Lee. They got to follow Saban and Leach. You know, Saban's always going to say stuff about big-picture college football. And, you know, people should listen to him because I think he's right 97% of the time. Um, And then Leach, of course, is a blast and a riot. Uh, you know, somebody's asking me, who, uh, who is the next Spurrier? You know, the, the guy that everybody wants to hear from, you know, that's funny and all that at Media Days. Because Spurrier, Steve Spurrier owned Media Days, you know. Uh, and, and I think Leach, Drinkwitz, and Kiffin are probably the three most entertaining guys. Drinkwitz is kind of underrated and stuff he says, and I know Gamecock fans don't like him. And I, I can't blame you. I mean, he's 3-0. and Three games that the Gamecocks really could have won, and he talks smack <laughs> and all that. So it gets under your skin. You know, he beat him with App State a couple of years ago, uh, and then won in the Doty game during Bobo's interim term where Carolina came back and could have won at home. And then last year in Columbia, Missouri, it was ridiculous. But uh, we don't need to talk about that. But, um, you know, listening to drink what sometimes I think he, I think he is kind of funny. Uh, so Beamer goes after Leach and then Clark Lee. Uh, then the next day, Sam Pittman, Billy Napier, Kirby Smart, and Mark Stoops on Wednesday. And then we we wind it down with Brian Harson, Josh Heupel, and Jimbo Fisher on Thursday. So SEC Media Days coverage all week next week. Uh, I'm sure we'll have a JC and Morgan podcast. By the way, Hudson Mason. Uh, former Georgia quarterback joined us last time uh, to talk Georgia. We're, we continue to kind of talk about every school in the league, uh, but I'm sure Mike and I have some things to say uh, about all that. So that kind of ends our first uh, 
little segment here. Uh, I want to tell you this. Uh, some of you have reached out to Cindy Searfoss, uh, a realtor from the upstate of South Carolina. Some of you are moving in, some of you are moving out. Uh, I've gotten nothing but great feedback, and I appreciate you guys patronizing her services. She's outstanding, um, and she is sponsoring this segment of the podcast. She's staying on with us, uh, and she'll be uh, the sponsor of, I think, a, a segment on the on the Daily Show. Uh, and Cindy is with Caldwell Banker Kane Real Estate, my hometown of Spartanburg, Daniel Morgan Avenue, uh, married to a dire Gamecock fan. She's been in the upstate for more than 35 years, uh, covers a multi-county region, uh, I follow her on Instagram. We share it on the Inside the Game Guys Instagram page. She's she's an ABC realtor, real estate agent. She's, she always is close, always be closing. Uh, she's always closing. Uh, and that's good. That's a good sign for your money, uh, for your purchases, for your move, uh, whatever. So contact Cindy, 864-414-5271, or email her, C-Searfoss, C-S-E-A-R-F-O-S-S, at cbkincbcaine.com, uh, and she'll definitely help you out. Uh, Cindy Searfoss, realtor, a proud sponsor of the Inside the Gamecocks podcast, and we'll have the iHealth Consulting mailbag uh, coming up. So media days, you know, I, I don't know. People ask me. I used to go, you know, as part of my job. And, you know, I'd always kind of look forward to it, and then I'd get there, and I'd be like, this sucks. Uh the Southeastern Conference is a little liberal with their uh, credentialing policy for it. And almost every year you'd hear this, all right, so like southeasternbamasports.com or something. You know, you, it's a blog that you didn't hear about before media days. You didn't hear about them after. <laughs> and they stand up and you have basically, you know, hey, look at Coach Saban. You know, just want to thank you for coming to Alabama and blah, 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 blah. And then, then you praise him and talk about naming his dog after Saban and, all that good stuff. And then he'd ask a question. It'd be like critical as hell. You know, well, why didn't you throw the tight end against Mississippi state on third and two? You ran it up the middle and saving calmly answered everybody cringe. And uh, it got to the point where I was like, what am I doing here? You know, I, I, I should be at the seven on seven down the road at Hoover high school, watching high school players. Uh, and then streaming came along and the SEC network came along and they broadcast it. And so, you know, you, you kind of just get what you get there from a media standpoint. I even had a conversation with somebody a couple of years ago, like, how do I make this more interesting? You know, how do you cover it? I, you know, it's all there, you know, and, but everybody's like, what are your expectations for media days? Oh, or Beamer at media days. Uh, I don't know, do what he did last year. He was calm and cool and, you know, didn't say anything controversial that made him look bad not that he ever does you know uh, he's usually pretty good at talking um and and being clear i mean i don't know you know what what do you uh you know you know i read something somebody like graded the coaches at media days like ed orgeron how do you grade ed orgeron at media days well i just want to say to him, at lsu we're coming we're gonna be good this year yeah i mean come on i mean you're gonna grade ed orgeron <laughs> Oh, you got a D at media days. Well, they won the national championship in 2019. <laughs> Somebody gave him a D plus at media days. What the hell? <laughs> you know, it's just, uh, it's insanity. 
Uh, now, I, I you know, it, 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 the the Hoover thing's fun because when the Alabama and Auburn coaches come through the the, the Winfrey down there, it's packed, you know, and fans are so excited about the season they show up and support the coach or whatever for both those schools. And then, yeah, you have a couple for for the other coaches, a couple stragglers, you know, Arkansas people show up or whatever live in Birmingham. Atlanta's a different story though, and I think. Um, you know, in the SEC, with the exception, I think, of Arkansas and A&M, maybe Missouri now, uh, the largest out-of-state alumni bases are all in Atlanta. So maybe everybody will show up. Maybe nobody. <laughs> Who knows? But um, that's always fun. They always feed you well. Always enjoy getting the media guides. Uh, but other than that, you know, J.C. Sherbert, you know, I, I can't rule out ever being at media days again, but I just, uh, you know, I, I, it, it gives me a headache and anxiety thinking about going. So uh, John Whittle and Hale McGranahan and Alex Jones, uh, one of those guys will be covering it for the bigspur.com. So we're going to cover it, but uh, uh, not yours truly. Uh, but I will have some commentary on it. And I, we, we'll have topics to talk about here, JC and Morgan, uh, other spots, uh, definitely. So the three Gamecocks that are going, the players, and some some people were surprised about this, and I'll talk about this for a second. Uh, Javon Gwynn, Zach Pickens, and on Joyner. Um, and people, you know, the first thing was, where's Spencer Rattler? Why isn't he going? Well, I, you know, he's a newcomer, you know, they don't really normally take newcomers <laughs> to SEC media days. Um, you know, it, it's normally not always the best players that you have. It's sometimes your team leaders, and and that's not always the same, you know, same thing. Um, you know, Spencer Rattler would probably get a bunch of questions about Oklahoma and – Quite frankly, I think he's probably tired of answering this. It's a new day. He's been at South Carolina now for a while. It's a, uh, we're 54, 49 days from kickoff uh, where Rattler will lead the Gamecocks uh, on the field against Georgia State, barring something unforeseen. Uh, you know, and, and, and you know, Joe Von Gwynn, you know, say what you want about his performance because sometimes Jovan does struggle – I guess pass blocking a little bit. Um, he's a good run blocker. Um, I think it's time for him to put it all together and have a great final season. I think this is his final season. Um, you know, so he's a he, he's been in the program so long. He's one of the toughest players on the team, which is why I was just baffled that the O line was struggling all that much last year. Uh, to carry on, obviously, the hero of the bowl game. He's another guy that that. You know, he's a guy that probably could have left and gone and played quarterback somewhere. And I, I still maintain, even though he's listed at receiver, that he's a quarterback, uh, you know, and, and and there is, you know, with the fan base, you know, they weren't so much upset about it. They were wondering about Joyner because people are, you know, worried he's going to eat some snaps uh, this year maybe. Because, you know, l- l- let's be honest. I, I thought to carry on his first year at receiver in 2020 – was not good. You know, he couldn't get off the line. I think he had five catches the whole year. I thought last year he was average. Um, and I, I think that when you you look at the bowl game when he was a quarterback and Jaheim Bell and Amarian Brown were kind of playing his spot, 
you know, even without Josh Van catching a pass, that was a big difference in the passing game. And that's not sliding to carry on Jordan. That's just saying as a receiver, he's got work to do, I think, to keep Juice Wells off the field and Corey Rucker and Amari Brown and Xavier Leggett. You know, I, I just, uh, you know, and I've seen guys do it. I mean, I've seen guys like the carry on senior. I mean, Josh Van got better year to year. Uh, so there's nothing that says he can't. I'm just saying that the competition is a lot stiffer <laughs> than it was last year. Uh, and, and, you know, uh, Marcus Satterfield, the offensive coordinator, sort of uh, embraced this notion of a wide back, which is what Debo Samuel plays for the 49ers. And uh, and I like it because you have Jaheim Bell that can do that kind of stuff. And they're recruiting guys that they, they want to slide into that position. I think DeCarrie and Joyner could play that spot. You know, I've, you know when you move Jaheim around, you know, Jordan's uh, kind of tailor-made because I, I think he's at his best when he's carrying the ball from scrimmage. Uh, John Whittle and I talked about it a long time ago. If you're going to move him uh, from quarterback, move him to running back because he's, he's got good vision and wiggle. Uh, you know, he, he just kind of looks more natural. Now, now look, it's the offseason. Uh, who knows? Things could have changed, uh, you know, and, and guys get better, and he works awfully hard. Uh, but I understand sort of the talk about that. But uh, getting back to the SEC Media Day's point, that has nothing to do – like whether or not he starts, plays, catches how many passes, has nothing to do with him coming to Media Day's because the guy's one of the big leaders on the team. And and that's who you usually take, guys that are leaders, guys that set the example, guys that work hard. Which brings me to the next selection, Zach Pickens. Um Good, you know, uh, and Zach's always worked hard. Uh, you know, I think when you're a five-star top ten player, people just automatically throw all these expectations on you. It's unrealistic because it's it's football. Uh, it's a lineman position. Uh, you know, sometimes it takes time. I mean, Melvin Ingram wasn't a five-star out of high school. In fact, he was a composite three for whatever reason. We had him before at Rivals and thought really highly of him. But, you know, he transitioned to, you know, end tackle, and it took him three years, you know. Some guys it does. You know, some guys like Clowney step in and play a lot their freshman year, then they dominate. You know, some guys like Devin Taylor, it takes one year of a red shirt, and then they're playing constantly. These people people develop at different times. And Zach had to go from being kind of a, a defensive end uh, running back type in high school, do everything for T.L. Hanna uh, to sliding inside. And, and that's a that's a grown man's game uh, inside in the league. And, you know, he had 2019 and then 2020 was just kind of messed up for everybody. Uh, and then last year I, I thought inconsistency was, was his bugaboo, you know, because if you look at the games he showed up bigly, uh, that Vanderbilt game, he basically, you know, uh, let's be honest, Zeb Nolan and Xavier Leggett won it. Zeb Nolan marched him down the field. But if Zach Pickens doesn't make a heck of a stop uh, on two times Vandy could have scored, you know, the Gamecocks don't win that game. Uh, and I know that's scary. And people are like, they had no business almost losing to Vandy anyway. And I agree. But you have to think about that. Think about the bowl game. I thought he had a big impact 
in that one. I mean, they held uh, Sam Howell to what, three yards rushing, <laughs> harassed him just about the whole game. He and Jabari Ellis and Jordan Strawn and, you know, those guys, I, you know, I, I thought he played well there. Uh, I thought there were other games he did not. Clemson is one of them. You know, I, I thought that uh, there were some where he just sort of sort of was inconsistent. So I, I think that what I would do is I will take an inconsistent guy and hope to get consistency out of him uh, before I'll take a guy that just cannot play, that eat, you know, that's out there consistently average. <laughs> How does that sound? Um, and so I think it's a good sign that Zach Pickens is, is going to SEC media days because he's been a leader. Uh, my understanding, he's worked extremely hard this offseason. He works extremely hard every offseason, but there's something different about him uh, from what I've, uh, I've been hearing. And uh, frankly, that's good for the Gamecocks, you know, and I think that's good for him because I think he has a shot, shot to make some money playing football uh, if he has a bang up here this year. And, and so that's good. So those are the three coming uh, from South Carolina. And, uh, you know, I, I, people were like, well, interesting choices there, you know, but, you know, they don't take always, you know, it, it depends on the head coach. You're, you're not always taking like your best players. Uh, you're taking your leaders. And, and I think the fact that these three guys who have been in the program a while now are going uh, is a testament to their leadership uh, and a good job for Shane Beamer to, to take them down there. And uh, we'll see sort of what happens. You'll hear from all those guys. Uh, on Tuesday, day after tomorrow, from SEC Media Days uh, 2022. All right. We have Tony Pope, State Farm Insurance, that we're going to hear from right now. Uh, and again, just a reminder, if you're in North Carolina or Georgia and you want to uh, patronize a Gamecock business, <laughs> he's uh, legal to write insurance in all three states, car, uh, home, health, uh, they do 401ks, all that. But uh, here's Tony Pope State Farm, uh, and we'll be back with the iHealth Consulting Mailbag after this. Just as your State Farm agent combines good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates, you can combine your home, auto, life, or small business insurance with Tony Pope State Farm Insurance today. And guess what you'll get? That's right, even more good neighbor service with surprisingly great rates. In fact, Tony Pope State Farm is your go-to agent anywhere in South Carolina, North Carolina, or Georgia for the service you deserve at the price you want. So try combining your home, life, auto, and or small business insurance today. Tony Pope State Farm has been in business for more than 30 years and can handle anything you need in the tri-state area. Once again, Tony Pope State Farm will help you mix and match perfectly. Call 843-851-2222 or visit TonyPope.com today. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Okay, we're back. Thanks to Tony and it's time for the IELTS Consulting Mailbag. All right, two ways to get in the mailbag. Uh, first of all, I want to say please follow the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. Uh, the streaming, we're, we're working out exactly where it will be. Um, but I think Twitter is probably a safe bet. Uh, I think YouTube is probably another safe bet. Uh, go to the Big Spur YouTube channel and subscribe. Um, maybe Instagram, maybe Facebook. Uh, but anyway, follow the Big Spur Pod at the Big Spur Pod on Twitter. Um, Inside the Gamecocks is the Facebook page. Go like it. Inside the Gamecocks is the Instagram page. Go like it. I've noticed a significant amount of followers uh, on those pages. Uh, so go do that. 
you know, and, and get ready for the, the show that's coming up pretty soon. But there's two ways to get in the mailbag. You tweet to at the Bixper pod or inside the Gamecocks at gmail.com. And here we go. Gamecock Pastor has some stuff, blah, blah, blah. Here we go, Gamecock Pastor. I know we're not there yet and had some recruiting wins so far for the class of 2023, but at what point do we need to be concerned? Uh, what's the goal, final ranking, or average player rating for Carolina at the end of the day? I can answer that right now. They don't care. It's better to be ranked highly than not. They appreciate it, but they don't care. Nah, no coaching staff uh, puts a lot of stock into that other than a PR standpoint, right? Uh, so they don't sit there and go, well, gosh, we need to have a 0.892 average. Um, what I'll say generally is, Uh, The next step in recruiting for this program from last year to this year uh, is to sign more blue chip talent from the high school ranks. And I I think they are Uh, where they have five, four stars and probably more on the way. So uh, I'm not worried about that part of it, the ranking part of it. Uh, What's the top priority right now outside of pass rushers? Uh, Okay. So pass rusher, that's, you know, you want to get concerned. I always say you can't get concerned about recruiting until there's a reason, you know, uh, I looked at the SEC recruiting rankings. I can look at them right now and i uh, tell you this. It's, uh, it's interesting when you look because uh, here we go. Georgia's one, Tennessee's two, LSU's three, Arkansas's four, Bama's five, Alabama's fifth, Florida's six, Carolina's seventh. I mean, Texas A&M signed the number one class in the country last year. They're 11th. Auburn is dead last. Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin, 13th. Uh, Vandy's ninth. I mean, right now, it's, you know, you've got all these varying. I mean, Arkansas is fourth because Arkansas has got 23 verbal commitments. You know, South Carolina has 13. Um, And, you know, this does not include any portal guys or anything like that right now. Now, that being said, you know, right now, Gamecocks are middle of the pack. You know, I think that – They've got a good class uh, overall. Um, I think there's some guys, you know, uh, Pup Howard to me uh, is a lot better than the number 245 player in the country. Um, To me, Jaden Robbins is a lot better than 379. To me, Jalon Kilgore, it's criminal. He's not a four-star. Other than that, you know, I think everybody's got it right. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and gripe all day about rankings. I'm I'm just beyond that. It's just – Sort of seems like the Gamecocks, you know, nobody wants to rate their guys higher than 91. People want to know uh, what I thought about the Gamecocks losing Dylan Lonergan, the quarterback. The only reason I was like, you know, uh, had a negative feeling about it because I think the kid made a great choice. I, I think going to Bama uh, in, in, in unison with an Eli Holstein and with Ty Simpson sitting there, Gives him time to go play baseball, which is what he wants to do and develop. Not saying that South Carolina's depth chart uh, is bad and he would have had to play earlier, but, you know, I I, I just think at Bama, maybe the pressure was going to be off a little bit, you know, because I, you know, Dylan's a heck of a prospect. Um, You know, the Dylan Lonergan versus Tanner Bailey battle down the road or whatever you want to call it, Braden Davis down the road or Luke Doty or whoever uh, would have been great. Dante Reno, if you want to throw that in, um, would have been great. Uh, but, 
you know, I, I would have liked his chances to win those here uh, over Eli, uh, then beating out Eli and Ty. Um, you know, he could be the type of guy at Bama, and sometimes Nick Saban's had these guys over the years. It's there like four years, and then it ends up starting. Um, and that's happened before. So I think he made a great choice. But, why, you know, people ask me how I felt about it. Well, I, I was a little disappointed just because that's a guy that, that when you look at the formula for the team rankings would have boosted the class rank, uh, you know. And, and it's hard to sit there and explain – over and over and over again, especially when, when the Gamecocks have not. And, and we'll see what happens this year, you know, because it's going to be interesting. You know, the Gamecocks go out and have a big year this year, like a surpass all expectations. Uh, th- then I think you can go, well, the Gamecocks basically got a, a bunch of really good players out of the portal that didn't count a whole lot, but that, so they are recruiting well and, and kind of play that game. Uh, but it hadn't happened. And so, so when you're seven, you know, two and eight, seven and six, four and eight before that, and your class ranking is sort of similar, uh, you're not really going to believe, no matter what I say, you know. Uh, and I think if you look back over the years as to the things I've said, you know, I've been pretty darn accurate. And nobody bats a thousand, obviously, but I've been pretty accurate about uh, about most guys. You know, probably overshot Jake Bentley. Obviously, those words. <laughs> uh, you say it, he was a three and done, stuff like that. That that, 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 that comes back to haunt me. But, I, you know, look, I don't regret that. I mean, everybody misses. You know, everybody misses, uh, especially quarterback. But, um, you know, you, you got that. You know, who else is that? You know, Cam Smith's been pretty good. I've stood on the table for him. Uh, you know, I told everybody Jamie Robinson was going to be a great player, and, and he is. He's just at Florida State. Um, you know, that kind of thing. Uh, I, uh, you know, I told everybody Rico Dowdle was good, you know, he's playing in the NFL. So, you know, not bragging though. I, I, I get it. Uh, and until, you know, the Gamecocks get back to, you know, because right now you're, you're dealing with this with the fan base too. It's, it's like, we were loaded with talent back under Spurrier. Well, you know, and and they use that to kind of complain about the recruits, but numerically, if you look at it, yes, Spurrier had Clowney and Lattimore and Gilmore and Holloman, and the second Mike Davis was a highly rated guy and all that. But you know, just as many guys, you had Swearinger. I mentioned Melvin Ingram was a three star. Um, Devin Taylor was a three star. They beat Duke on. Shane Beamer won that battle. Um, you know, you, the linebackers they had during that era, Jasper Brinkley was a Juco guy. You had uh, Eric Norwood was a three-star. Uh, you had a lot of great players that, 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 you know, Carolina went and found during that era as well. Um, so, so you don't just dismiss it. And, and I think under Muschamp, they found, you know, guys like DJ Wanham and Ernest Jones. You know, those guys are in the pros now. Javon Kinlaw, when he got to JUCO, was highly rated and, and recruited. Um, but, uh, you know, you, you have to go find those diamonds in the rough at South Carolina because you can't just go, you know, take the top 15 out of your state <laughs> like some schools can do and then then pick. But, um, but you know, it, it's a hard sell when you're talking about that. You know, you're, you're talking – like you said, game got pastor, you're a little worried. Um, but But I wouldn't be. But, but until 
the results on the field back up from a team standpoint, not individually, because you know you can look at the draft and say, well, this guy hit and this guy hit and this guy hit. Uh, but the, from a team standpoint, you know, uh, the beatings will continue until morale improves. How about that? Uh, in terms of uh, of people getting mad or people being disappointed about recruiting, and you know, the only thing I think is unfortunate uh, is we've gotten to the point. Uh, with recruiting, and, and this is not just South Carolina, all fans, where, where people like look at three stars like they're not any good, and then you look at the draft and half the first rounds, three stars or lower. Um, and, and I don't think that's fair at all to any of these kids that sign with any school. In fact, I think it's a horse pile of horse crap, you know. And and you have some people that do that. They they don't really know what they're looking at. Uh, you know, as far as talent goes, and I don't watch film. They just look at the stars and just, you know, you'd think they were, you know, uh, Tech Schramm or, or some NFL GM is just dismissing a guy offhand because his star rating, uh, he's an 88 instead of a 90. That's, that, that's crap. And, and I think I think it affects your program sometimes because I think guys come in and they, they don't have a lot of – they don't have confidence, you know. You know, the, there, there's some that just work hard and overcome it and don't care. But then there's others that, you know, you're like, man, you need confidence. So anyway, that's uh, that's my take on that. But, no, I don't think it's time to, to worry about that. Outside of pass rushers, uh, I think they need corners. Uh, I think they want to get a couple more corners. I, I think receiver right now is a spot where they'd like to find some guys, although they may go to the portal for that. Um Offensive line still there, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, probably outside of Montague Rames from Sumter, the next biggest target, like the must get, I think, uh, to me is Marquis Anderson, uh, the offensive lineman from Dorman. Uh, and the Gamecocks are still sitting good with him. Uh, his teammate, though, went to North Carolina. So kind of, I'm not saying they're not still in great shape, but. But they were expecting to get DJ Gev, and then he went to UNC, where his dad played basketball. Uh, but I, I still feel pretty good about Marquis uh, and the Gamecocks. We'll see what happens. Gamecock Pastor again. I'm at the point in the year where I want only football content. It's difficult to even engage in my other passions in life. I absolutely need football. Thankful that we will soon have two hours of daily content from the GOAT, J.C. Sherbert. Thank you, my man. I appreciate that. You get a retweet off, off of my J.C. Sherbert account. Uh, and another one from Gamecock Pastor. He says, thoughts on ESPNU and the five-week show giving an inside look at Gamecock football. I think it's fantastic national exposure. I, I do. I, I'll say this. I, I don't think Shane Beamer would have agreed to it if he thought his team maybe wasn't ready to handle something like that. Um, you know, I, I always worry about – Teams, not just South Carolina, but teams that like read their own press clippings and, you know, just assume <laughs> things are going to be good. And then reality hits and it's like, whoa, they get hit. And, you know, everybody's got a plan to get hit in the mouth. And uh, so that would, that, that, you know, I, I trust Shane Beamer a lot as far as his wisdom in terms of, the right thing for his program, the wrong thing for his program, even though, you know, Hey, look, I, it's not like I jump up and down and celebrated every movies made, honestly. Um, but I'm not there. 
I'm not inside. I'm not in the building every day. Uh, and, and the focus of this coaching staff in the Beamer era has really been holistic uh, about the players as people, which I think is huge, you know, these days. I think it's why a lot of recruits just love it and want to come. Um, and so he knows. He knows their hearts and souls and minds and knows whether or not his team can handle something like that. Uh, I do think it's outstanding exposure. Uh, I think it's something that that could help open some eyes to Carolina football as far as younger recruits go. Um, you know, I, I think that what you're going to probably see is they're having a whole lot of fun uh, and there's a whole lot of positive energy uh, and, and all that inside that program. Uh, and that opens the door sometimes. Is it gonna? Is some recruit going to call up and commit just because they watch the ESPNU thing? No. Uh, but every young kid in the country watches it. And they might not, may not know about South Carolina. You know, I, I'll say this. Some guys over the years when I've covered recruiting and South Carolina's come up, they, they come and they, they go to the stadium and they don't, they don't even realize the stadium seats 80,000 people. I mean, you know, they're like, wow, this is big. I didn't expect to be this big. Well, you know, because it, it's just not, you know, and, and I think in talking to people, you know, from Muschamp to Beamer, one of the things this program really needed was a spark of relevance, you know, because you, you go through 15 years of hall of fame coaches, you know, the, the, the media boys, the, the national fund, they're always going to check in and see what Steve Spurrier is doing or Lou Holtz is doing. You know, they aren't necessarily checking in on Will Muschamp, you know, because uh, you know, and then there wasn't a whole lot of great moments, you know, every time they had a, a situation where they could have a breakthrough moment, it seems they stumped their, stumped their toe. Uh, and, and so it just never happened. You know, it just never happened. Uh, I think the best uh, exposure and offseason they had was between 2017 and 2018 after they beat Michigan in the Outback Bowl. Uh, and then all that ends, then, you know, week two when Georgia throttles them. And, uh, you know, it went from there. <laughs> uh, so I think relevance is important. I think getting Spencer Rattler was was a big deal. Uh, you know, for the school, well, you know, just because he's well known and that's what everybody's going to Spencer Rattler, you know, they, everybody knows who he is. Um, and so then you throw in this show and all that, you got Shane Beamer and Shane's got some name recognition because of his last name. And then people start to get to know, you know, the players and the assistant coaches and, and all of that. And so I, I think it is good national exposure uh, for the program. And I think quite frankly, they can handle it. So uh, and that's just based on faith in, uh, in Coach Beam. Uh, all right. I hope Consulting Mailbag rolls on, and uh, they're going to continue on with us. I hope Consulting, Daniel, uh, he ends up uh, – he, he, we uh, re-upped the deal the other day, so I'm fired up about that. Um, and if you're a business owner, you can save some time and money if you call Daniel. Uh, it's a Gamecock-owned and operated company because Daniel's a Gamecock. And their only mission is to help your business save money on expenses. Uh, so if you're sitting there drowning with credit card processing fees, your internet's ridiculously high uh, price-wise, your health insurance for your employees, uh, anything else, iHelp can go search the earth and find your business the most savings without sacrificing quality. That's important. That's very, very important. I was part of a buyout at a newspaper in Gainesville, Georgia, 
when I was a young man, early in my career, uh, it was owned by Gannett, which used to own the Greenville News, or still owns the Greenville News and Spartanburg Herald and all those others. But Gannett sold it to a rinky-dink corporation uh, based in the state of Georgia. It was awful. <laughs> uh, and the health insurance went from, you know, fairly priced to, to cheaper, not that much cheaper, like $5 pay period, uh, but it sucked. <laughs> I'm glad I was young and didn't get sick, man. Uh, so that's important, right, for your employees. You don't want to sacrifice quality. Um, and Daniel's going to help you do that. He's going to get you that cheaper rate, uh, but your guys aren't going to be sitting there, you know, having to pay out of pocket thousands of dollars, guys and gals. Uh, but, you know, he'll take a look at it, and if I help can't save your business any money, you don't pay him anything. That's right. If they can't help your business, you know, no cost. That's how he rolls. And he only takes a percentage of your first year savings. So it's not like you're paying him 5000 to save three. He's always going to give you uh, more of the savings. So call or text Daniel, 843-372-5713, or visit ielconsulting.com to schedule a free consultation. That number again is 843-372-5713, ielconsulting. How can I help you? So, uh, got some emails here. Got some we're catching up on. Hey, just to reiterate, I love, I love the mailbag. I just think it's, uh, and uh, when we go to the live show, we're probably going to enter, enter, disperse the mailbag throughout the show. Um, so you know, we'll do questions throughout. How about that? Um, and uh, you know, sometimes like right, right now. So there's Gigi Jackson. Everybody's talking about that. Media days is coming up. There's the ESPN thing that somebody brought up uh, with the ship, but there's just not a lot of news, right? Everybody's just kind of gearing up. Um, so there's not a lot to talk about, but you guys give me things to talk about. So I appreciate that. Ah, uh, Belmont Gamecock. All right. JC with the ease. And it's th- this email is called boomerang recruiting. JC, with the ease of transferring nowadays and the demand for early playing time at skill positions, do you see a trend where younger players are going to end up at their number two school? I found myself discussing Gunnar Stockton and Dylan Lonergan this weekend with friends. I know anything is possible, but barring injuries or total disaster at UGA or Bama, both players are likely not competing for playing time until their sophomore years. That said, if they lose out to kids that are one or two years older, which isn't unreasonable to these blue chip players wait around for playing time until their junior or senior years. I bet that most do not. Hence my question about boomerangs. They're number two. Uh, he said, what are your thoughts on whether we could see maintaining relationships with these type of players becoming more important or do these kids just end up transferring to wherever they can come and play immediately? Seems counter competitive to the thinking of why they went to a top tier program with loads of talent ahead of them in the first place but maybe a season of humble pie on the bench changes that. Very good point. Now, what I've always said these days in recruiting with the portal is that, it's, you know, you work hard uh, and you finish number two. Uh, you used to feel like that was a waste of time. <laughs> You're like, ah, almost had him put in all that time, lost him, whatever. Uh, but with the way kids can transfer nowadays, it's not a bad deal to, to maintain the best relationships you possibly can. In uh, you know the days of assistant co- assistant coaches over the years, even head coaches have shown their ass 
when they've lost a guy at times. I think the day of showing your ass is over <laughs> because of the portal, because you may end up getting them back. Um, you know, kids pick schools for different reasons at the time they pick them. Uh, so I, I don't think there's anything wrong with that finishing second. I mean, Lavoisier Carroll is an example of that, man. You know, Gamecocks were right there. He goes to Georgia, doesn't really want to play corner. I believe he has a girlfriend at South Carolina. Boom, back at South Carolina, playing running back. And when you compare him to like Ramon Brown, who I think is overrated going to Maryland or whatever, maybe I'm wrong. Watch Ramon. I keep saying that, right? Watch Ramon Brown like lead the Big Ten in rushing this year. <laughs> I'll have to eat my hat on that one. But, uh, you know, I, I thought Lavazier was better than Brown or the kid that went to Utah from Florida, any of those guys that could have got. Ramon Brown was – I mean, uh, uh, Lavazier was better, and I think we'll prove that out over time. Uh, so there's an example of keeping, keeping it warm. Now, he was committed to the other staff, but, you know – that impression of South Carolina, all that good stuff, uh, stuck with him, you know. And he's kind of from a little border town, too, like close to the border of South Carolina and Georgia. Uh, yeah, so there's an example. So, And I tell people all the time, you know, yeah, finishing number two is not bad because, you know, the, they start looking around, they're going to be like, oh, well, we had a good experience here. You know, why not? Uh, that kind of thing. Now, discussing these two quarterbacks, Gunner and Dylan, I, you know – to me, that's two different situations because, as I mentioned earlier, I think Dylan's fine with sitting because I think Dylan wants to go play baseball. Dylan may never play quarterback ever at Alabama. He may go pro baseball after a couple of years. Who knows? Uh, I think if you're saving, you sign him <laughs> because, you know, Bryce Young's probably gone. You got Ty Simpson. You got Holstein who's going to be a freshman. I mean, you probably need some more guys, right? Yeah, their numbers at quarterback at Alabama are not, you know, super duper as far as depth goes. So if you're saving and company and, and Bill O'Brien, hell yeah, you sign him. Uh, but I don't think he's going to – Gunner is going to be kind of in a – all right, so you got Stetson Bennett coming back, and I think it's pretty clear Kirby Smart's not going to bench him unless he just completely is a disaster, and he wasn't. He let him do a national championship. He's a hero. Right? Let's call Stetson Bennett what Stetson Bennett is. And it's kind of amazing to me. I think that Georgia's two national championships, you've had Buck Ballou and Stetson Bennett as your quarterbacks. As many great quarterbacks, Fran Target and all those guys come through Georgia, you know. But, um, and I don't know how highly rated of a recruit Buck Ballou was. I think he just handed it to Herschel, you know, the whole time. But, uh, you know, so so that really the people like Vandergriff and Carson Beck, who's there, and Gunner Stockton now, you know, all that's going to play out, you know, over the course of the next year, right? Uh, and then I'm sure one of them will probably leave, you know, <laughs> uh, and, and that's just the way it is. And you know, you look at Ohio State last year and the the quarterbacks. I mean, it was sick. How many quarterbacks they had? Well, the Ewers went back home to Texas, and they had the King kid that went to Florida, and then it thinned out. The herd thinned out a little bit, and that's what happens. And and you also see many many situations uh, from the three guys at Oklahoma: uh, Kyler Murray, Baker Baker Mayfield, Kyler Murray, and then Jalen Hurts uh, to Joe Burrow, Joe Burrow at LSU. Um, you know, transfer quarterbacks now 
there's a track record of them having a having success. Hendon Hooker at uh, Tennessee last year. I never understood. You know, people want to know why Justin Fuente got fired. You know, I'd sit there and watch them, and I'd be like, Hooker's pretty good, you know. And and then he gets beat out by a guy Burmeister who wasn't as good as Hooker. Uh, so I never understood that. Um, you know, I don't. I, my guess is there's something in the way he practices, just because. You know, Joe Milton won the job initially at Tennessee last year. Uh, Hooker may just be one of those guys that's a gamer. So, anyway, uh, but there, there's been so many transfer quarterbacks that have had so much success that, you know, it's not a big deal. You're not going into a situation where, oh, man, you know, and if you're the Gamecocks, you're hoping, you know, that you get your transfer quarterback that has great success this year and Spencer Rattler. You know, so I, I think your quarterback specifically to your point, Belmont, uh, it's going to be that way. There's going to be a carousel in that position every offseason. Just go take your pick, right? Um, and when you talk about Gunner versus Dylan, you know, two guys obviously the, the Gamecocks had Gunner committed and almost had Dylan committed uh, and lost them. Uh, two Georgia kids. You know, when you're talking about those two. Uh, if you're looking for somebody, maybe that'll come in down the road. You know, I'd say Stockton way before Lonergan because I, I honestly think, honestly think it's baseball and maybe football in a few years. You know, that kind of thing uh, for Dylan, just based on what I've heard. So, uh, but yeah, you're you're right as far as finishing number two. Like Shindevi and Bradley. You know, what if he gets to Tennessee and hates it? You know, that happens with kids. You know, where is he going to go? You know, well, it will go back home to, you know, Kansas? No. Kansas State's right there. Missouri? I don't know. Oklahoma? I don't know. South Carolina? Maybe. With his sister right down the road? Yeah, maybe. So that's why you recruit these guys and you you, you uh, don't burn any bridges in recruiting uh, like some coaches used to. Because like I said, uh, it used to be completely deflating. You know, you'd work all year for a guy, and boom, somebody flips him, something like that. You know, I've had many, many conversations with coaches that aren't happy. Uh, but nowadays, you know, be nice. You may get them back, and that's what the staff is doing. Brad says, with all the talk about who would be potentially next to join the SEC when they decide to expand, it raises an issue that has me a little concerned. If the effort is to load up on name brand programs, do you think there's any chance the SEC – or Big Ten go through somewhat of a culling process? Do you ever see a scenario where they would ditch teams like Vandy, Carolina, Mississippi State, Purdue, and Illinois to make room for more national-named brands? Thanks, Brad. Well, uh, you know, first of all, South Carolina, athletically, I think you say the same about Purdue and Illinois. You know, it's not – and really Mississippi State, if you, if you consider baseball, they – they all bring something to the table in other sports. Um, and my understanding is they're not, you know, if Vandy wanted to leave the SEC, they could. There's no, to leave the SEC, there's no buyout to get out. In other words, you want to leave, go. <laughs> um, but that would have to be Vandy's decision. My understanding is I mean, it's kind of almost a grandfather clause, to, to be honest, that, uh, you know, there's going to be no, like, relegation, you know, in, in, in this sport, which is good. And, look, man, if, if you're Alabama, 
you know, I, I think you're cool playing Ole Miss and Mississippi State and Arkansas and, you know, schools like that in addition to your LSUs and Auburns and well, Auburn when they're good and, and schools like that, you know, it's still a very tough, challenging schedule because all those teams are good, um, you know. But you start saying, well, you know, you're going to play Clemson, Penn State, Ohio State, Notre Dame every week. <laughs> uh, why? You know, uh, you still need – even in the NFL, you, 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 you don't really have – an off week because any given Sunday, of course, you know, any team can beat any team, but uh, I just don't, I don't see that happening. And I think these schools too, I mean, some Pat 40, who, by the way, uh, you know, uh, he ranked schools according to conference appeal. I don't, I don't, you know, after, after he wanted to tear down the sport because of COVID and not play, you know, went on and on and on about that. You know, I don't really respect anything the guy says. Um, I looked at his criteria. It's a little bit weird. Um, But South Carolina obviously wasn't ranked very high in conference appeal. Um, You know, I think it was around Purdue and Illinois and and some schools like that. Uh, I'm not saying he's accurate. In fact, I think he's not. But, you know, my understanding is there's not going to be – you know, any relegation that they, you know, they love all the schools in the league, you know, that kind of thing. And, and so I, I don't, I don't see that happening. I think, I think what you'll do is you'll, you, you know, if you go to two super conferences, you'll see additions on either side. And, and look, it, it's not always going to be the best teams because I'll tell you right now, if, if they added two on the SEC side, I think the first two calls will be to Virginia and North Carolina. You know, those those aren't football ju- juggernauts, people. North Carolina's got a lot of – they both have a lot of potential. But, you know, historically, they're, you know, they're, they're not all that good. But, but they bring markets and they bring brands and they bring other sports. And, and I'm, I'm going to tell you another school that you should not count out that everybody is, uh, as far as joining the SEC goes, and that's Kansas. Kansas, you say? Whew. Not in Kansas anymore, Toto. Uh, yeah, and people think I'm nuts because they're terrible at football. Uh, but when you're talking about adding contiguous states to the SEC, which is I've heard is important, you're talking about the Kansas Jayhawk brand, and that's basically a basketball brand, but it's, you know, it's a league that already has Kentucky, you know. If you had Kansas and North Carolina, you know, you're not only dominating football, uh, you're dominating basketball, and, and and you're not adding like, you know, like you had Texas and Oklahoma, everybody gulps and goes, my God, those are two of the most winning programs in the history of football. You know, but, but think about the expansion over the years. Arkansas and South Carolina, potential – um, they added Missouri, certainly not a football juggernaut. Texas A&M historically has not been. You know, so I think Kansas, North Carolina, Virginia, and then one more, you know, if they go to four. But I, I think I think everybody's sort of hit the pause button on this. Uh, I think Notre Dame sort of put out there that, hey, you know, we're not quite ready to join a conference, and that slowed things down. Um uh, I still don't think the ACC has an answer to any of this. Uh, and I, I I put on the site the other day, I felt bad 
that, um, you know, for the football player, uh, football playing schools that care in that league, so to speak. Of course, that includes Clemson and North Carolina. And, uh, Gamecock fans on the Bixburg.com weren't happy, and I'm not expecting to be either. But uh, uh, it, that league just makes terrible decisions. Tristan says, what's the latest on Xavier McLeod? Saw some dooming stuff on Twitter regarding Michigan. And, no, I, I, you know, Xavier McLeod, Still feel I'm going to feel good about South Carolina's chances until I don't. I know my reasons for that. Um, I think that what he does on social media probably does not line up with what will ultimately happen in his recruitment. Uh, I can't guarantee he's going to be at South Carolina. I can just tell you I still feel good about the Gamecocks' chances. Uh, and I could care less what he puts out there, you know, on social media. Um, kind of got burnt with the Don Davis Braswell thing, right? Uh, so uh, that's kind of where I stand on that one. Now, you know, Xavier's got some work to do as a player. I mean, he's got to play lower. Uh, you know, he's got to be developed. Uh, but he's got such quick twitch athleticism and things like that. He's definitely a take. Um, and, and, again, just like, you know, he's actually ranked higher. So it would make you guys happy to see things. Um Okay. <laughs> no. Uh, I keep getting spam from this one individual, and I just uh, – I'm not going to answer you, buddy. I'm not going to answer you. And it's not – a. It's not. it's nothing bad, not a big deal. Just, you know. Anyway, Sean says, on the topic of expansion, I know the conferences are standing pat, but it's tough to believe a world where Florida State, Clemson, and Miami are not invited somewhere. I know the grant of rights are involved. Yeah, and that's ridiculous. <laughs> the ACs, and they're talking about it like it's a strength. I saw somebody there. Our grant of rights is a strength. How in the hell is it a strength when you know everybody who has an SEC neighbor? Like if you're Florida State, you're looking down the road in Gainesville. If you're Miami, you're looking up the road in Gainesville. They're going to be making 108 million dollars a year uh, in 2028. And you're going to be making 50. How, how is that like, oh, that makes us strong. But hypothetically, wouldn't it be smart for the SEC to go ahead and grab FSU and Miami? Not going to lie. FSU and Miami at peak powers with Big Ten money would make that conference formidable. Side note, I don't think people realize how special Miami and FSU was when they were at the peak powers. As a kid, I would have uncles and cousins who were Carolina and Clemson fans gather around to watch Miami FSU, like it was a Tyson Holyfield fight. Missed those days. Sean, that's awesome. That's a, I mean, that's an awesome analogy there, man. You brought me back. Tyson Holyfield, Miami FSU. That's awesome. Uh, you know, initially I was like Florida – you know, I heard Florida State, Clemson, Virginia, North Carolina. Didn't hear anything about Miami. Then I talked to somebody said, well, what about Miami? You know, we hear they're going, okay, you know – then I was told, you know, kind of in a kind of a back to the future kind of deal because, you know, these days, you know, because people are like, why'd they add Texas in addition to Texas A&M? Because that's in the same market. And I was like, well, it's, it's, it's becoming more about brands because of streaming and all that. Well, then I was also told, wait a minute, you know, the SEC also prides itself on, you know, not being, you know, not necessarily it's still a regional conference, but you know, having contiguous states uh and adding states to that footprint. 
And so that's when Virginia and North Carolina were brought up in Kansas. Uh, you know, and then that Florida, Florida State, or I'm sorry, Florida State, Miami, and Clemson probably on if it depends on how many they had, maybe wouldn't make it. I don't know. And, and look, don't go tell your Clemson buddies, JC Sherbert said Clemson's not getting in the SEC because I've heard multiple different things about that, you know. So I'm not ruling them out. I'm not ruling out FSU, not ruling out Miami. Um, I, uh, it, it just makes sense, you know, and, and a, lot, a lot of it also depends on this. The Big 12, Pac 12, ACC, are, are, the, are those leagues going to fall back to second class citizens? Uh, do they want a third league or a fourth league? And maybe, you know, one of those leagues goes away. I mean, well, what's the ideal thing for college football? Uh, to me, uh, having a top 48 super duper division, you know, it, it makes me feel a little bad because you have, you have programs out there, man, like Washington state that wouldn't make it, you know, they've got great fans. Uh, they went to a Rose bowl, drew Bledsoe played there, you know, um, Arizona state's probably going to be a, a school that makes the cut. So, so you kind of feel like they're safe. Stanford and Cal may not, uh, if you go that direction. Uh, you know, your new schools in the Big 12 that got a kind of a new lease on life like BYU and Cincinnati and UCF. And, and, uh, you may be leaving behind a program like Oklahoma State, Texas Tech, Baylor, TCU. I mean, that's sad. Those schools care about football. Kansas State. You know, everybody talk, you, you hear people talk about Kansas. You don't hear much about Kansas State and expansion. You know, you I read somewhere they make you know they could end up in the Mountain West if the Big Twelve dissolves. Dude, they get sixty five thousand crazy. And now look, they were about to drop football before Bill Snyder hit there in the eighties. But uh, they're passionate fan base. K State. I mean, why would you? You know, they almost won a play for a national championship like twice. They were knocking on the door. So I, I that would not feel good for to me in my opinion. Uh, you know, you may be leaving out some ACC teams like NC State. I mean, I don't know. If you go to like a two 24-team super conferences. Um, you know, so what's the third conference going to look like? Honestly, uh, you know, I think if you're the Pac-12 or Pac-10 now, <laughs> you can survive as a Western League as long as the Big 12 doesn't raid you. Uh, I, I, I think this, the league that probably – has some issues as part of the ACC. Uh, just because everybody else's league, their TV deals are, are, are up and they're going to be able to renegotiate. And the ACC is just locked into a bad deal. And they're begging to renegotiate, but why? Why would ESPN do that? I don't know. I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of funny. They were talking about the ACC. talking about the, the, they're like, we, were, we were thinking about adding West Virginia. Well, you should have had a West Virginia to begin with. But, you know, you, you, you fancied yourself as this Ivy League type of conference and, and, and then panicked after Maryland left and added Louisville, which shot that down. You know, West Virginia would have made all the sense in the world. Natural rivalries with Virginia, Pittsburgh, and Virginia Tech. You know, they belong in the ACC. They've always belonged in the ACC. So, anyway, but, but, but you know, how much is West Virginia going to move the needle – for the ACC, if they add them, 
And then you bring them to 15, so you probably need another one to get to 16, right? Maybe not, since they're not going to do divisions anymore. Uh, that would take the, ba- the basketball league up to 16 with Notre Dame and all that. But, you know, uh, interesting situation, interesting situation. So that's kind of the deal there. You know, if they go to super conferences, though, you're right about Miami, FSU, and Clemson. They're going to find a spot, whether that's Big Ten or SEC. Uh, but – you know, while I think that we may end up there someday, I, I, you know, and you see signs with every one of these moves, right? Uh, you know, when Texas, Oklahoma, Southern Cal, and UCLA all make a move and leave behind a century of tradition, uh, almost, that's saying something. That there's something going on. It's like sometimes before natural disasters or whatever, you'll see birds flying away or whatever, you know, that kind of thing. That, that, that should be a sign that something's happening. I just don't know how quickly it will be. But my understanding is that after believing, you know, after hearing that, you know, Clemson was trying to get out and going here, there, and yonder, uh, I think everybody's just kind of hit the pause button. And, you know, you hear sort of different things about contiguous states and Kansas and, North Carolina and Virginia and, you know, those places. Heck, I wouldn't mind it if the SEC added Virginia, West Virginia, North Carolina, and Kansas. That'd be fine with me. Thanks, Sean. That was a great question. William, my, my, I've been listening since the beginning days with Keith on the Lot on the Gamecocks podcast. Yes, that's true. Keith and I actually started – that podcast and actually started the bigspur.com back 15 years ago. I can't believe it be the 15th anniversary of the bigspur.com in August. Wow. Can't believe been in business that long. Thank you guys, by the way. Um, been, been beginning days, Keith, never miss an episode. Before my question, I want to say thank you for all the hard work you do for Gamecock Nation. I've been a Big Spur member since 2014. And I could not live without it. Ah, thanks, man. You know, back back before I got in this business, when I was uh, you know just out there as a member of, of websites, and Gamecock Central was one. And I think I was on Rusty the Rooster's site and Sports Talk SC, Phil Cornblut's message board that's no longer there. I mean, I, I, that was really something that I enjoyed doing. And then that kind of inspired me. That along with listening to Phil's recruiting reports, um, back when I was a child, you know, and, and kind of loving recruiting and getting excited about it and all that, that kind of inspired me to get in this business. So, you know, I understand. I appreciate uh, you saying that. He's like, my question is, is it possible Tonka Hemingway could move back to edge next year? Really like this film from freshman year. And he had a lot of potential. Well, I, you know, here's the thing with Tonka and, you know, like Tonka, I felt sort of bad for him last year because he did have a breakout, uh, sort of a breakout freshman year, right? Um, You know, I thought that, you know, when he was in, he played really, really well. Um, At end, set the edge pretty well for a true freshman. Uh, And then last year, you know, he's back there behind some guys. You know, he's behind uh, Boogie Huntley to a certain extent, MJ Webb. Uh, was ahead of him. You know, last year, you, you had Jabari Ellis, who they loved. All it. <coughs> Excuse me. Gosh, I apologize for that. 
all in there, uh, you know, to kind of, as far as depth goes. And when he played, I thought he played fine, uh, but he is a guy who's making a transition. Uh, as far as the edge goes, I could, you know, if he weren't 295 pounds, um, maybe. I will say guys that usually transition inside have better second seasons than first. Um, they didn't really lose anybody but Jabari Ellis, though, so uh, it's going to be uh, pretty tight. Uh, but but he's played. He played in all 23 games the past two seasons and has made three starts. So uh, he's got versatility. You know, look, in certain packages, could he set the edge and end? Yeah, uh, I think. You know, I, I don't know if that's the plan, though, for right now. But, I, you know, I'm not giving up on Tonka. Uh, and, and I wasn't, you know, I wasn't disappointed with his performance last year because I knew it was going to be a transition. He just he didn't see a lot of snaps. I mean, you know, he played. He was in the rotation. But, you know, and, and, and he didn't necessarily always flash uh, like he did in previous years, whereas Boogie Huntley, I thought, did flash and I think Boogie may have a tremendous year this year I I I really do I, I think Boogie's got uh got an it factor to him that uh maybe people aren't thinking about and look MJ Webb's up to 313 pounds uh you know this is a guy that was a four-star guy that also was an end coming out of high school right MJ was an end when they recruited him uh started playing better and better and better He's a senior this year, so don't be surprised if that dude doesn't come out and have a big-time year. I mean, he won the Toughness Award, uh, you know, came on strong last year, Has he's a leader. You know, MJ could end up living up to the four-star billing after all. <laughs> I remember the day he committed. I was in Myrtle Beach, got a text about it, and uh, – Carolina beat Tennessee on him back then. Uh, but Boogie Huntley, MJ Webb, I don't know they love Nick Barrett and they love TJ Sanders too. So uh, there's a lot of potential guys uh, back there uh, inside on the D-line. All right, we're done for this Sunday episode of the Inside the Game Pass podcast. Uh, again, inside the game pass at gmail.com or tweet at the Big Spur Pod to get an iHealth Consulting mailbag. Also, uh, go to carolinarise.com to help the collective. Uh, we've had a lot of folks join in. Uh, a lot of folks uh, this week have done the one-time payment membership, you know, give a couple hundred bucks or so. If you do that, the, you know, give $200 or more, and that's a yearly deal. So it's, you know, just you just don't, you don't pay anything else till next year. Uh, you get the koozie, you get the keychain. Uh, you get the magnet, the 1801 Club magnet, and you can go to the Facebook page, uh, Carolina Rise 1 on Facebook and see those. They look sharp. Uh, I think you'll start to see them around town uh, in certain towns in South Carolina and elsewhere. I've mailed them all over the country. Uh, so you get that right now. If you give 200 or more right away, wham, bam. Thank you, ma'am. You don't have to do worry about a recurring or anything like that. Uh, there is the 1801 Club option for $18.01 a month. You can give more. You can uh, you can give less if you want. I mean, it, 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 there's lots of options. And I think in the near future, you're going to see certainly, you know, 
the, the power of numbers when it comes to NIL at South Carolina. Uh, also, don't forget, Inside the Gamecocks, the show, it's coming up. Uh, so like our Facebook page, Inside the Gamecocks, Instagram at Inside the Gamecocks, and a Twitter, like I mentioned, at the Big Spur Pot. Well, plenty more this week from SEC Media Days. Here, JC and Morgan, thebigspur.com, wherever you uh, listen to podcasts or whatever, wherever you consume your Gamecock content, right? Uh, so look forward to that. Uh, JC Sherbert, Inside the Gamecocks podcast. Talk to you soon.